SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. You never realize how much you don't really know until you start something new in your life or you step out of your comfort zone. And that's what we're talking about today with Shauna Nequist on SOS Radio. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So you made some big moves the last couple of years. You've been living in the Midwest most of your life and your family decided, hey, we're going to move to Manhattan and move the kids and the entire house to a 825 square foot apartment. And you realize, yeah, I guess I haven't learned everything yet about the city that I thought I knew living in the Midwest. (laughs) That is the understatement of the year. We couldn't figure out anything our first several months in the city. (laughs) And, you know, it's easy to think you've got it all together or you've figured everything out and then you make a series of big moves and big changes in your life and you realize there is so much I still haven't learned. What is the good life? It's a question we chase around when we start to grow, we start to learn. I'm Scott Harold on Eskwis Radio. We're talking with Sean and Nequist today about discovering new ways of living when the old ways stop working. And Shauna, when Jesus talks about finding that abundant life, do you think he's challenging us more to start from a place of reflection or start of a place of change? Or you think the abundant life is just something that's not even really attainable on earth? Well, when I think about the word abundant, I think of full and abundant, meaning like flourishing or growing. And so I think of it, there has to be an aspect, I think, where there's meaning, where there's connection, where there's some aspect of making the world better and probably a sense of gratitude for all that God's given us. I think if you can get meaning and connection and purpose and gratitude all working together, we don't all get it all at the same time, but that seems to me like a recipe for abundant life. And it's interesting because you think about like abundant, it's like, okay, I want that fullness. I want that growth. I want the forward momentum on that. But God doesn't necessarily promise forward momentum like we see forward momentum on like a typical time frame, huh? I think it's easy to want big changes in your life until you have to go through them. And then a lot of times they're harder than we think, but they're also more, I think we transform along the way. Uh, when we when we choose the hard path, I think we we don't change or transform when we stay in the comfortable places. Prayers acknowledging that we're not in control, but someone is, and that's a quote from Shauna Nequist, and she's talking with us today on SWS Radio. And in her brand new book, she says, "Oh, there's a God who holds us, and who holds it all, and who's trustworthy and powerful, and is more than strong enough to hold the enormity of all of our fear and our worry." And Shauna, when you think about the aspect of praying and understanding that we're not in control as we grow in maturity. What have you noticed about how God challenged your prayers to change? I think it's easy when you're either a little less mature or just really angry about something. It's easy to have your prayers be like, dear God, please fix this person. Please let them know how bad they've hurt me. Let them know how angry I am. It's really easy to pray with an agenda for what you want to have happen in someone else's life. And uh, the further I get down the path of life, the more able I am to to entrust people to God's care and say, Listen, I'm going to pray for them. You know what's right for them, and I don't have to kind of manage or control that situation. 
you mentioned anger on that just a minute ago, and it's kind of wild just over this last year or two. It's just like a lot of us have had this stuff just manifesting itself like it's anger, but a lot of it is just those things that we've stuffed. Maybe it's the unmet expectations, or maybe it's the things we thought we learned that we realize we haven't learned, or maybe it's just our lack of patience that comes through. But it's strange how it's sort of all manifesting like anger for a lot of us recently. You know, I think anger is a really powerful emotion. And um, a lot of times I notice in my life, it's easier to feel angry because it feels like a, it's active, it's powerful, it, it can affect change. When I look underneath it, I realize there's more tender emotions like grief or fear, but it's a lot easier to lead with anger. It's like, you know, starting with a punch as opposed to admitting how fragile or sad we feel sometimes. Happiness, delight, joy, you know, we all tend to chase those values. And we're talking with Shauna Nequist today at SWS Radio. She's written books like Present Over Perfect and Savor and Cold Tangerines. But Shauna, why do you think it's so important for us to be easily filled with delight? If you need everything in your life to be absolutely perfect in order to be happy or in order to experience joy. I think most of us are going to be waiting a long time. I don't know that it ever comes together a hundred percent in our lives for everything to be going perfectly. But instead, if we can cultivate a sense of delight and joy, even in the smallest ways, in the way the trees outside your window are blooming or watching kids play or reading a great page of a novel, if those things can be can bring us to delight, then even in in challenging seasons or dark seasons, there could be moments of lightness and joy along the way. That feels to me like a really healthy way to live. And it's like we chase the emotion of happiness so much and we forget that Paul's writing from prison in Philippians talking about, you should have joy. (laughs) The joy of the Lord is our strength. And in all circumstances, we can have joy. And you're like, but I'm not happy. How am I going to have joy? (laughs) I think you're exactly right. Joy is something that we cultivate, not something that we experience. It's something that we put ourselves in the path of. It's something we go out and hunt for. It's a way of living. It's a way of walking through the world. And um, I feel like a lot of us have learned over the past few years, sometimes you don't wake up with a sense of happiness or joy, but you can craft a life where you're out looking for it at every possible opportunity. So you wrote a new book. It's called, I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet. It's discovering new ways of living when the old ways stop working. And, you know, a lot of times we forget to listen to our pain and we forget to like lean into the things that are just not comfortable. And then we just don't naturally trust. But as you've been living through this season where you moved away from the Midwest where you spent pretty much all your life, I think, and then you moved to Manhattan and you're in a little tiny apartment with your two kids and your husband and kids want pets and all these things and you bring like everything from your you know couple thousand square foot house into 825 square feet and you're like comfort (laughs) what have you learned about that well i mean one of the things i've learned is that both physically and emotionally our pain has a lot to teach us and instead of pushing it away it's really worth listening to it and honoring it and letting it be our teacher and our guide and Comfort is an important thing in certain seasons of our life, but when comfort turns into pain avoidance, I think the way to get out of the pain is to face it, not avoid it. And I feel like I've learned that over and over the last couple of years. So for someone that's a little bit afraid to deal with the pain, because I know it's going to drag up a lot of things from the past, what do you suggest for starting to just build your boldness to walk to it? 
Well, I would say don't feel like you have to do it alone. This is where a therapist or a spiritual director or a close friend or a pastor or a priest, all different people in our lives can help us through. And, you know, a lot of times you think like, okay, if I'm going into it, I am just going to have to live in that pain forever. I would say don't go into it alone and go into it, let's say for an hour a week or an hour, twice a week. You don't have to plunge all the way in. You can tiptoe in. And as you get braver and braver and healthier and healthier, your capacity to engage it will grow. You know, we're talking about living through joy and living through heartbreak and owning exactly where we're at and what we're learning. You know, it takes some boldness to walk to it. And we're talking with Sean Aniquist today at SWIS Radio. And in your latest book, you talk about living lightly. And I think you kind of start by explaining it more in the context of downsizing and moving, but you also use it in relation to how we deal with the spirit of unforgiveness. So like, what does living lightly mean to you this year? Well, certainly we're living a lot. We're learning a lot about living lightly in terms of like having gotten rid of most of our stuff and in our apartment, I feel like we're, we're just getting rid of stuff all the time so that we have room to like walk and breathe and live because it's a small space. But also, you know, there were a couple seasons where I was holding on to so much anger or regret or resentment or unwillingness to forgive and felt like I was carrying around a lot of heavy things all the time. And in the same way that I really like living a little more lightly in this tiny little apartment, I want to live more lightly on the inside. I don't want to carry all that stuff around. And so I worked really hard over the last couple of years to forgive, even when someone didn't apologize, to let go of anger, even though the situation wasn't resolved, to forgive myself for the situations that I handled poorly. Letting go of those things allowed me on an emotional level to live more lightly. What have you learned about blooming where you're planted? Because there's so often our setting defines so much of our worldview, but sometimes God wants us to just say, hey, look at where you're at and choose to bloom there and put down some root. You know, one thing I've learned really clearly is I was a, a hometown person. I was going to stay in my hometown my whole life. I thought that was my story. And really, if I'm honest, I thought it was kind of best, kind of was better. I didn't think big moves in midlife were necessarily a great idea. And one thing I've learned is there's no one right way. There's the right way in the right season for the right person, according to the way God's calling you. So you can move or stay. You can stay forever. You can make one big move. You can make 10 big moves. What matters is how we live and respond every day to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. If the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, why do we why why do we find it so hard to learn from it? We're talking with Shauna Nequist today at SWIS Radio. She's a best-selling author. She's written books like Present Over Perfect and Cold Tangerines and Savor. Shauna, sometimes life feels like a series of just trial and error patterns, right? But the most important lessons usually come out of the harder times than just the joyful, easy times. Have you found that to be true in your life? Oh, 100%. I'm not always grateful for the painful seasons, but I know that they yield the most important things inside me. And I watch that in my kids. I watch that in my friends. The people who've been through hard things and come out the other side who really have some wisdom to offer the rest of us. So what have you noticed about reevaluating your strategy when the previous things that used to work just don't seem to be working anymore? 
Yeah, I think one thing the last couple of years taught me was a willingness to do exactly that, to look at every plan or pattern or strategy in my life and hold it kind of loosely and keep asking the question, does this serve me and my family and my values for this season or do I need to make an adjustment? There's so many times when we overstay or keep something in place because it's how we decided several years ago. But if we're honest, it stopped serving us several years ago. You know, when you get to that place where you notice certain things stop serving us the way they used to and the old ways seem to stop working and you're really seeking answers from God, what have you noticed about hearing his voice when you just feel like there's so much distraction right now? I genuinely want to know if God's asking me to move on something or if he's wanting me to just stay in the same pattern that I've been in. Well, I would say in most life decisions, we have a little more time than we think. You know, it's it's easy to get all wound up and think like, I need to hear clearly from God today. And a lot of times we could say, hey, I'm going to pray in a really specific way for six weeks and see what emerges. And I think that's sometimes the wiser way to go. But I would say when you're in that kind of decision season and you're trying to discern the next thing, two of the things that really help me are a practice of silence, spending a little bit, even if it's five minutes five minutes in silence every day, trying to listen to what God's telling you, to what your life's telling you, to what your circumstances are telling you. And then also some really wise counsel. I'm a real question asker. I'm a real, um, I believe that there is a lot of wisdom out there, but I certainly do not have a corner on it. And so when I'm facing a big decision, very often I will ask a lot of different people from different corners of my life and really trust that God will give them the wisdom that he wants me to understand. With Easter coming up, you know, you know, and you're thinking about, you know, the resurrection, you're thinking about kids, maybe you're thinking about just what you've been learning and since you've been in seminary here. What's God been showing you about the resurrection that you never really noticed before? So we live on the campus of an Episcopal seminary. And one of the cool things about that is there are a lot of ways in which the church calendar and the stories from the Bible and the traditions and the holidays are very present here. And one of the traditions here, there are these beautiful chapel doors. We live by the Chapel of the Good Shepherd. And on, they're open all the time, 24 hours a day, 363 days a year. On Good Friday night, a priest closes and locks them. And they're closed all day Saturday, the only day of the year. And then they open again on Easter morning. And I think a lot of times, if you didn't grow up with the church calendar, the real darkness of that time between Good Friday and Easter morning feels like, whoa, you guys are really doing it. But I think there's something really valuable and important about letting it get really dark, really final, locking those doors before the joy and hope and new birth of Easter Sunday. So that's an image that we're kind of talking through with our family as we approach Easter. I was just reading through the story, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And everybody tends to think like, oh, you know, is is God, is is Jesus starting to doubt? Is he having a moment of weakness? Is the weight of the sin of the world just clouding everything for him? And it's like, well, there could be a little bit of some of that in there, but really it's, but actually it's, he's quoting David from like Psalm 22 and he's tying it together for all the Jewish people that are standing there watching all of this unfold saying, Hey, you know, one of those prophetic things that, you know, King David talked about and one of the other prophets talked about, like maybe this is being fulfilled as you're watching this. Maybe in a couple of days, you might want to reflect on this. <laughs> yes. And at the same time, can you imagine what it was like for them in real time, not knowing what's going to happen in a couple of days. Imagine how dark that darkness felt, how deep their grief, how 
insurmountable their sense of hopelessness. We have the advantage of knowing what happens on Sunday morning, but to put yourself in the moment of being there and being the disciples or Jesus' family, that gosh, the grief and fear in that moment must have been almost inconceivable. And for all Jesus' friends and family members who are walking through going, wait, I thought this was that mm-hmm. Savior we'd been hoping for, and Rome isn't supposed to win here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But a lot can happen in three days. <laughs> That's a good reminder about everything, certainly about Easter, but in a lot of areas of life as well, a lot can happen in three days. Thanks for streaming Scott Harold's podcast from SOS Radio. If, if you're one of our regular listeners, would you consider giving it a five-star rating? It really helps spread the word.